Welcome to episode 178 of Auto Off Topic. Hello, Brad. How are you? I'm excellent, Andrew. Well, that's a lie. I've been uh, sick all week, hence the lack of an episode. So, Yeah, but uh, you could have listened to us on the Hello Road podcast, episode 32. Yes, that was, uh, the, that was the last recording and before I caught the nasty flu. Yep, we talked to the host, Paul and Ethan, about uh, our podcast, some of our cars, Mitsubishis, and uh, Radwood. All the things you'd expect us to talk about. Exactly. So what, um, it's slow season here for me, but I guess you were telling me you went to a concourse today? We need to have a discussion, I think, about what can be called a concourse and what can't be. Was it just a car show? It was a car show that you had to apply to be part of. Okay. But I don't think that makes it a concourse. Concourse is a generally invitation only and only for like the highest end of the high end. I'm not sure what the right. rules were for getting into this particular event. I didn't look into it, but um, any car we own up to and including our daily drivers would have been accepted, it looks like. What was it called? The Fountain on the Hills Concord d'Elegance. Okay. Um, it's in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Let me just pull up the page so I get the name right because... With the Fountain Hills Concourse. So it was Concourse in the Hills 2020 at Fountain Park in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Um, Fountain Hills is about a half hour from downtown Phoenix. It's um, it's Scottsdale without the stores, <laughs> if, okay. you know, if you know Arizona at all. So it's super, super high-end properties. Like, you know, most properties there are probably a million plus. Um, it's very, very hoity-toity. So it's the kind of place you'd expect there to be a concourse kind of show. Uh, And it certainly had the vibe when you first walked in of a concourse that you'd go to in, you know, Amelia Island or Pebble Beach or Misslewood or one of those kinds of shows um, based on the cars you saw. The fact that there was no gate was weird and there was no admission was weird. So all walks of life were there. <laughs> Definitely not your typical concourse stuffy shirt crowd. Like I didn't see judges walking around in blue blazers and khaki pants. Um, but I did see multi-million dollar cars with the general public milling around them, which was, I don't want to say disconcerting because I mean, it's not my car, but it's odd to see basically um, to see a factory GT40 Targa and just have like a guy holding his child over it was strange. Um, there was some Can-Am cars. There were indie cars from the 50s. They were your typical, you know, section of Jaguars with really nice restored E-types and even earlier, you know, XK120 style Jaguars and a 34 SS, uh, which is a stunningly beautiful car. It was a one-off prototype race vehicle for Jaguar 1934, which is, you know, it's got to be priceless pretty much nowadays. Um, but there was very good access to the cars. There were no ropes, no real rules. People were flying drones, which bothers me. Um, yeah, well, maybe that was the point was to get people involved. But, yeah, most car shows have, have banned yeah. drones unless it's, like, their official drone it, operator because 100% will have liability insurance. Yeah. hundred percent was not that. And I'm sure that drones are probably banned here too, but the scope of this thing was so large. Um, it's set. There's a, a lake in the middle of fountain Hills, Arizona. Um, I assume it's man-made looking at it uh, in the middle of it has a giant fountain that just sprays water 24 seven. Um, and it's probably, I, I can't guess the size of the body of water. It's big. Um, multiple acres of water. Um, probably, I probably walked four or five miles today just in this show, going because it goes all the way around the lake from side to side. 
um, the amount of people was much higher than would be at a concourse that charged money, obviously, because people don't want to pay to go do things. So a free event is going to draw people. I had to park like a mile away. Um, I was going to say, so you didn't enter a car because you thought it was a concourse. I thought it was a concourse. Um, I probably, maybe I'd enter a car if I had some of my cars here, but I don't have a car here that I would have entered in it. Judging by what I saw, I certainly could have gotten away with it. You know, my cars are certainly nicer than some of the stuff that was there. Not that saying that my car is nice because they're not. But I mean, at one point there was a bone stock, like 2001 Hyundai Accent. Yeah. Yeah. You sent me a picture of that. Yeah, with a wrap on one fender that was just one fender inappropriate yeah. inappropriate anime, and that's the only mod the car had, and it was inappropriate anime. Like it wasn't something that you should have in a family car show, so that was strange to me um, to have in the same show as a GT40. And then the picture you sent me, the hood was open, like right and cool. Look at this dirty right. engine from a, this a dirty car engine on this O2 Hyundai Accent. So, I mean, hey, listen, to each their own, I guess. And if you want to let it in, if you have no rules for entry into the show, then, hey, it is what it is. But, I mean, it was parked next to a Miata that had chandeliers in front of the headlights. Okay. So, yeah, I, that, that, that section was a little, a little more loose, it seemed. But there was no real flow to the show. There were signs where cars were supposed to park. Like, oh, this is a Ferrari section. And the first car you see is a Maserati. Which, you know, there's some family lineage there now. But there was a Maserati section. (laughs) So the Maserati should have been over the Maserati section. Um, And I feel that a true concourse show is going to have a year cutoff. And this particular event didn't have a year cutoff. It just had... Tell us what you're bringing and then come down. I'm sure there was a charge to be in the show. I don't know for a fact, Um, but it was new Ferrari, new Ferrari, new Lamborghini, new Lamborghini, new McLaren, new McLaren. More of those than I care to see at any one time, which is the kind of car you're going to see in a community like this because it's a very wealthy, new money kind of community. So it's going to be all new supercars. So... There were some serious gems hidden in amongst the average everyday supercar, which is a weird thing to say, but since moving out here, I see probably a Ferrari or an R8 every day. It's not uncommon where I live out here. Um, There were some Diablos and some Countages and some stuff that was a little less common, which is cool to see. Uh, The whole way in there, I was in pretty amazing traffic jam because it was just Ferrari... Vintage muscle car, vintage sports car, MG. All around me was just nothing but interesting cars, which was which was pretty neat. So it, it was it was an interesting show. I, I'm not upset that I went. I would go again. I just think that putting the name Concourse on something elevates it to a level that the show didn't produce. So while it had some really nice Concourse level stuff, if you're going to a Concourse, you expect to see... Concourse car packed after concourse car. You don't expect to have to wade through your average, you know, Saturday night cruise night kind of car. You know, you shouldn't have your 1934 um, Jaguar SS parked next to a, a ratty 1978 XJ12. Doesn't doesn't work. It's not like I don't know. It's me being, it's me trying to put something in a box that I guess they don't want to be in that box, but don't call it a concourse then. You know, all of the the literature, everything about the show, all it shows is like a 330 SP Ferrari and a Ferrari formula car and a Porsche sports car from the 50s. It doesn't show a 2001 Hyundai Elantra. It doesn't show Miata. It doesn't show an average muscle car, which were there. It doesn't show the air ride Dodge challenger with fake blood painted on the side, which was there, you know, it doesn't, yeah. a concourse is like a, uh, we've said it before. You're expecting a, Oh my God. Curated car show. Oh, exactly. And, and uh, not like a, a giant cars and coffee. 
that's what this this had the, the feel of. It was like car, a, well, a more organized cars and coffee. And it's in a very pretty location. It's all grass. It's rolling hills. It's the fountain spraying in the background. It's the lake. You know, they had tons of food trucks. They had, you know, music. They had the typical concourse, you know, setup of luxury goods. Like you could buy your $20,000 watch while you were there if you wanted to. Or you could buy your $3 snow cone. It was, there was something for everybody, but it wasn't a concourse. It didn't have that feel. It was just, it was a car show. It was a good car show. You know, and they're, because they called it a concourse, it's probably why some of these super high-end vehicles were there. Um, but I can't help but imagine that the people that did show up in their super high-end vehicles probably were not expecting the, for lack of a better word, amateur hour cars that showed up with them, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I, and again, I don't mean to be a jerk about it, but it's one of those things where call it what it is, you know, make it a car show. I don't mind an invitation only. I don't mind a car show that you have to apply to get into. I'm not sure exactly what the process was here. I know that the website and everything I've seen on Facebook implies that you need to apply to get your car in there. So I know there were a couple people that were a little upset. Uh, One guy in particular had a 52 or 3 Chevy that was a very high dollar custom. You know, chopped right. section channeled the whole nine like the whole car was like f40 height when originally it was like three f 40s tall and he got put in the bottom of this dust bowl because he was told that the show car air for his show cars was out of room and then he's in the bottom of the dust bowl and he was like all right whatever that's cool and then as he's sitting in the dust bowl they opened up the top section and like a uh, factory stock dodge neon with lambo doors drove past him and covered his car in dust to go to the spot that he was supposed to go to. So that's the kind of stuff that you need to be careful of when having a car show because you start taking everybody off, you're not going to have a car show again. Yeah. So yeah. Again, it wasn't a bad time. And if it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to enter, maybe next year I'll consider entering a car. After seeing what's there, you know, my Colt wouldn't be out of place. My Camaro wouldn't be out of place. Nothing I own would be out of place because there was really no, no rules, you know? Uh, right. There was some really neat stuff. Again, I go over a few cars. There was, I don't know if you saw the SEMA coverage of all the Supras that were at SEMA. They had the flat gray wrapped HKS Supra that was at this yeah. show. Um, that aforementioned 52, 53 Chevy was there. It was amazing. Um, another really cool spot of history that was there was the actual 928 from Risky Business. Like verified the car with all of the documentation like displayed in a little thing next to it. Um, not a particularly fancy 928. It's an 84 uh, manual transmission, gold over brown. Neat color, very period correct, but it was the actual one from the movie, so that was cool. I didn't even know that car still existed. Neat to see that. Uh, there were more Porsches than I know what to do with. <laughs> there were so many Porsches. But again, when you have no rule cutoff, no year cutoff, half of it gets lost because there would be two brand new 911s or brand new 911 and a brand new Boxster parked at an angle. And if you didn't walk over there, you wouldn't see that there was a minty fresh gold on brown 930, you know, sitting between them looking perfect in front of the pond. Like there was such good stuff hidden. You just needed to walk a lot to find it all. So good time. I recommend it. It's just not a concourse. Exactly. Okay. So other stuff, auto news, uh, Ford announced that they were debuting the new Bronco. From yes. What I was seeing like, cause I have a car and driver that talks about, uh, I think it's this month's or last month's car and driver that's talking about the new Bronco. And then when I was looking it up just to double check stuff, it was like announcement coming spring 2020. So everybody's still kind of, uh, working off of spy shots and, uh, like, you know, um, renderings so there were uh, spy shots came out this week of a two-door playing in the snow yep. somewhere mm-hmm. i'm excited that there's going to be a four-door and a two-door it reminds me of a land rover or an old montero that's a cool yeah. concept and the pretty like car and driver and road track reporting and even jalopnik reporting so that the there is a potential for manual transmission okay 
So very strong because they want to go after the Wrangler market. Yep. So they've got uh, a manual transmission. Uh, the auto is some 10 speed thing that was developed between GM and Ford. I didn't hear about that before. Okay. Uh, the base that's the same, engine. That's the same transmission that's in like the Camaro and stuff, isn't it? Wasn't that developed between Ford and are you yeah. thinking of the ZF8 speed that's used in a lot of things? Mm. That's used in a lot of Chrysler products and BMWs and German stuff? Maybe. I thought I heard of a transmission in the past being developed between GM and Ford. Because I remember thinking that was odd. But it could be something different. Or it could have been this transmission. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Have uh, they put it in anything else? Or is it going to debut in the Bronco? I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't. <laughs> I don't pay attention to new automatic transmissions that much, actually. <laughs> I don't pay attention to old automatic transmissions that much either. Yeah. Uh, the base engine, they're talking 2.3 EcoBoost, so the four-cylinder. Right, which isn't a bad thing. I think that's pretty cool. They're a strong engine. Um, Twin-turbo V6 EcoBoost as the other option. Uh, no V8s so far. But, yeah, they're talking uh, it's going to have removable doors, removable roof. There is rumors of they've done extensive waterproofing of electronics inside. Made the interior materials able to be outside. Obviously, they have spy shots of two doors. They're talking maybe uh, like a pickup truck version. I think they're really, really going after that Wrangler. So, And then taking the uh, Bronco name, much like the Mustang, and they want to spin it off into a brand like, like just like the Mustang. And then they're going to make a, I think it's going to be a Scape-based like a smaller Bronco. Okay. Is so the, be like, is the Bronco going to be uh, a full frame vehicle? Do we know? Yeah. It's body on frame. Oh, excellent. Uh, IFS in the front, leaf springs, live axle rear, uh, Dana axles. They're talking uh, probably the same limited slip that's in the Raptor. And um, it, it's, it's cool looking too. Like, from the renderings, and then you can kind of tell from the the um, the camouflage photos, like it's gonna have a cool look to it. Like it's gonna have that retro look, and you know it's so cliched, but we we should go for more nostalgic styling on some cars. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, so many new cars look; they really do look the same. Like, how many SUVs look the same? Like all of GM's SUVs are really hard to tell apart. They need to make sure they don't overdo retro styling, though, because Ford's history with retro styling is very hit or miss. You know, they nailed it in 05 with the Mustang. Yeah. But they blew it in 03 with the Thunderbird. Yes. So but, they haven't done any. Those are the two retro cars. One of them was perfect. One of them was awful. So And the Mustang's been good, I think. For the most oh, yeah, it, hasn't, it hasn't not been good, but I'm saying in 05, that car came out and it was it blew away everything else that was in the market as far as any retro car. You know, it was, it was a perfect modern interpretation of a 68 fastback. Yeah. And then I do like the idea of them really going after the Wrangler market. And it kind of, it's like such a difference between what GM did with the blazer. Like GM could have done something cool like this with the blazer, but they decided just to make another SUV that looks like a traverse. Yeah. Like yeah, what is I can't, the point I can't even tell them apart. I saw, I've saw, I've seen them side by side, and even seeing them side by side, it's like, which one's which? Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. So that's so I'm super excited about that, and I'm excited you know, about it. I won't be buying a new one probably because it'll be forty grand, but no, but it will it will be an interesting vehicle to see sure. out. It's probably if I'm if it ends up being as nice as they claim and as well designed as they claim. And unfortunately, it'll probably hold their value like silly Wranglers do. Uh, you know, I've driven newer Wranglers. I don't get it. They don't drive that great. They're good vehicles. They're very, very good off-road. Um, but they don't drive that well, like, down the road. Like They're really, really no, going to drive. No, because they're, they're designed for off-road. Yeah. It's funny because like our first gen Monteros always drove so nice on pavement. It's weird that the 2020 Wrangler doesn't in comparison. Like I don't uh, know. It's a solid front axle. It could be. At least Bronco's going to have solid axle or are they going to be IFS? No, IFS in the front. Okay. 
I don't know. And, uh, I, I'm definitely excited about it. And, you know, it's certainly something I'll be looking at on the used market probably someday. You know, a, a little two-door SUV is always on my list of potential purchases. Ford claims this is more of a desert runner than a rock crawler. So, Which is fine. We one. don't we don't rock crawl anyway. And I live in the desert, so it works. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm sure anything, whether it be designed as a rock crawler or a desert runner, um, would do really well on looking to be really cliche an overlanding style weekend, you know, which is what generally we do is go hit some trails and do a little camping. And, and that's, that's the extent of it. We're not looking to, you know, enter the king of the hammers. Um, yeah. So then some other car news and the UK announced that they are banning combustion fuel or having a combustion fuel ban yep. by 2035. How do you seriously think, how serious do you think that is? I think it's very serious. Do you think that it'll happen? Years, it's 15, yeah, it's 15 years away. It'll definitely happen. Think about how much technology changed from 05 to 2020 in cars. I agree. But to- You went from not having full electric cars really exist for regular people to they exist and work pretty darn well now. I don't know. I think it's ambitious. Um, it is ambitious, but you have to set a steep goal like that so that people get it done. Will they get it done by then? That's that, that's what I mean. Do you think it maybe it, not will happen? Yeah, I don't but, think it will. And and the reason I don't think it will is because this ban includes um, hybrid cars as well. This is not yeah. a just you know original style internal combustion engine cars. This is all vehicles that burn fuel. So hydrogen cars, diesel cars, hybrid cars, everything except for electric is what they're talking about. The problem is if you don't set steep deadlines like this, it will never get done. But you also don't know what the next 15 years of technology is going to bring. You know, electric right now is, you know, is the ticket. That's what everybody's talking about. But something might come down the pike that's better or works better or they might make internal combustion so efficient that it doesn't even matter anymore. You, you just never know. It's hard to set that kind of goal, um, especially when you have companies that are sticking to the internal combustion engine. You know, look at, you know, I don't think Mazda does much. I don't think, you know. They're going to have to but because almost everybody is pledged to go more electric by that time frame as far as manufacturers. Yeah, Honda is still developing internal combustion engine stuff. They're not pushing the hybrid technology very far either, and they're a huge market player. Well, so, you're going to see, we'll see what, it's just a way to push technology. So, And, and again, I, I get that. I'm just saying as a as a rule, do you think it's going to happen by 2035? I don't think it is. I don't think that there's 15 years is enough time to develop enough absolutely is. It absolutely is. Totally is the way technology moves this fast now. It, fifteen years is a long, long time. Well, we'll uh, we'll table this discussion for fifteen years and we'll come back to it. Sure, we'll we'll see where we're at. <laughs> um, sad news: John Andretti uh, passed away. One of the yes. Andretti family members, a race car driver. He raced. He's the nephew in, of Mario, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he raced in. Let's see, NASCAR, NHRA, Trans Am. NHRA? Uh, yeah. I did not know that. Yep. NASCAR, IndyCar, CART. So one of those, that's the big trait of the Andretti family is they were multifaceted racing drivers. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know he did NHRA though. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so. That's also interesting because he drove for Pet- Petty Enterprises for NASCAR. Yep. and. Yep. Petty Enterprises, also Richard Petty, used to run NHRA as well as NASCAR in the 60s. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a little like tidbit right there. Yeah. So uh, passed away colon cancer. That's a big killer of older men. So definitely make sure that you get checked out when the time is recommended for you to get checked out for that. Absolutely. If you catch it early, it can save you. If not. Yeah, they have a pretty good uh, rate now of... Uh, of survive, survival if you catch early. As yeah. long as it's detected early. Yeah. Um, but if it's too late, it's yeah. too late, unfortunately. Well, that's sad that, news so. because he's one of the younger members of the family, actually. 
mm-hmm. in his late fifties. Yes. Yeah. That's sad. I've got some Craig don't tell me's cause we haven't done that yet in 2020. Okay. I've got about three for you. Sure. And I got a bunch and I can whittle it down to three pretty easily. Yeah. I don't want to do a whole, whole ton, but three is a good number. Um, I can go first if you want. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So meticulously maintained, uh, owned by blank who had driven and enjoyed the car since the early nineties, always garage and owner had spared no expense, keeping the car in tip top condition throughout. Excellent and classic cruise night vehicle red with white roadster top on red leather interior with 180,000 miles, but you would never know it as the car shows and drives like new all power, including trunk, AMF and cassette appears to have had a repaint at some point and looks beautiful and runs great. Features detailed engine compartment with 4.9 liter V8, 250 horsepower, considerably the most powerful front wheel drive car in the early nineties. So that's going to be a Cadillac Eldorado. So close. Uh, and it's a Cadillac uh, Coupe de Ville. Yep. Yeah. I could picture that that particular car. They were fast. Yeah, this is what basically what your mom had, right? Well, they were fast. Let's talk about uh, my mom had a 91 Sedan DeVille, which is the four-door version of the car, in uh, like a creamy white over blue leather. It was actually a pretty, pretty car, um, but it's what I got my first speeding ticket in. Yeah. <laughs> About 600 feet from our house. <laughs> so I, I, at the time, I drove a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass with a 3.8 V6 and a two-barrel carburetor that didn't have enough power to spin a tire in the rain. Um, right. So I was not used to driving a car with any kind of power behind it. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so I pulled out onto the main road from our, our street that we lived on, we grew up on. Um, and I accelerated possibly too hard because I was driving my mom's 250 horsepower front wheel drive V8 Cadillac, uh, and the speed limit's only 45. And I exceeded that pretty quickly and I got pulled over almost immediately. So to be totally honest, this is a very nice looking car. I'll send the ad afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's they're asking fifty five hundred dollars. It was owned by the Cadillac Car Club president of New England. Oh, fancy! Um, Is it and, the two door uh, one, right? It's the two door. It's red on white. I prefer the lines. Leather. I prefer the lines of the four doors in those. If you to be honest with you, but they're neat cars. It's funny how much the interior looks like the seventy five Cadillac. Like, there's not so much close. change. Yeah, there's not much change. Yeah, honestly, I would I would drive a front wheel drive Eldorado from the '90s. They were they're not going to be a good handling car by any means, but they went down the road nicely. It was it was quick. It sounded good. Um, I think is that a North Star in those? Or is it Probably. North Star? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. It's a, it looks like a throttle body car too. Oh, I'm sure it was. I don't yeah. know a lot about them. I remember it had had a digital dash. Um, it had the. The radio looked like it was straight out of 85. Um, it was a it was a neat car. I, I, I don't look at that time and say, you know, wow, I can't believe how, what garbage Cadillac was then. Because it was a perfectly content car or a perfectly acceptable car for the era. And they were definitely fast. Faster than mm-hmm. they should have been. All right. Well, that one was easy because I knew the car immediately because I used to drive one all the time. Yep. So my first one. All right. Beautiful blank for sale. I put a brand new Sunderland top on it last year. Had my dad's body shop do a bunch of carburetor work since I've bought it as well. I assume that means since he bought the car. Mm-hmm. New speakers and head unit of Bluetooth. The previous owner put an exhaust on it. The six cylinder sounds pretty incredible. Absolutely no rust. Seats are original. Have a few tears and patches, but nothing bad. Can't really be seen due to the beaded seat cushions I have on the car. Smiley face. Serious inquiries only. Uh, this is a 1988. Okay. Um, Your big clues. 
it's a convertible. Yeah, is that what? It's brand new Sunlink V6 carbureted. Yes, convertible in 1988. Yes. Oh boy. Maybe all of these facts are true, but probably not. Oh boy. Um. Man, 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 man. Uh, Maybe you should do a 20 question starting with like country of origin or something. Yeah, yeah. Give me like, uh, what's the, all right. So is it American? It is not. Okay. Is it Japanese? It is not. Okay. Is it European? It is European. Okay. Is it British? It is not. Okay. Is it German? It is German, yes. Okay. It's German. Is this a Mercedes? It is not a Mercedes. I really got to narrow it down this way. Whoa. Um, okay. So your main fact, you told me that it was a V6. I didn't say it was a V6. I said it had six cylinders. Oh, okay. Interesting. So this would be, it would have to be a BMW. Is it a E30 convertible? It is an E30 convertible. I would like to know what carburetor work he said done on this E30 convertible. Oh, that is weird. <laughs> it wasn't a particularly good listing. It doesn't have a lot of facts. But when I was reading it and I came across carburetor work, hmm, that's interesting. Because <laughs> car is clearly not going to be carbureted in 88 BMW. I think I broke the rules there asking a specific make, but. We'll yeah, well, it wasn't that. a very good. Uh, it wasn't a very judges, good listing. I just say there it's okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll let it go. We'll just cut your prize money in half. Yeah. All right, move on. All right. I think this is a cool one. Um, can you imagine a car like this pace in the Indy 500? Well, one did. Uh, long, sleek lines, miles of dazzling chrome define the spectacular example of late 40s luxury. 1948 Christ Town and Country. Nope. The correct flathead V12 engine starts instantly and so smoothly you can bar- barely tell it's right. 1948 Lincoln Continental. Yes. Hmm. Thought that might be too easy, but this one was really cool. <laughs> I did not know that that paced the Indy 500. I know that the Chrysler Town and Country did, which is why I went there first. But Flathead V12 was only, that was Lincoln. That was it. I didn't know they came with a Flathead V12. Yeah. That's pretty wild. It I also did not know that they paced the Indy 500. It wasn't a particularly uh, desirable engine once they were a few years old and they weren't particularly reliable and parts weren't super easy to get because it wasn't like it was too, you know, it wasn't like the V8 heads that went across many car lines and truck lines. It was yeah, like yeah, yeah. one particular thing. So they're neat and you'll, see, you'll still see a lot of them with that engine in them. So I, uh, I, I like those a lot. It's a pretty car design too. It's a big car. I don't, yeah. I don't know if this one was, it kind of looks original or maybe it's an older restoration, but uh, yeah, it's very, very Art Deco, very, very cool. It's yep. the cream yellow on red. Oh, yeah. Which that's... you kind of don't, you never think of old cars as that they came in colors. At yeah, least I know black, because sometimes yeah. you, see, yeah, you see black and white, you see black and white photos so often, you forget that cars actually came in colors in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've actually had the chance to drive one of these cars. Um, yeah. I, I shouldn't say that. Actually, it irritates me when people who just drove cars through auctions say they've driven one. So let me rephrase that. Okay. I had a chance to move Roll one of these cars. Off. Yes. Um, but I remember starting the car, you had turned the key to the left. And then oh, huh. to start it, you pumped the gas pedal twice. And on the second pump, it st- activated the starter. Wow. Yeah. And it starts and you can't hear the thing idle. It's like the smoothest running engine out of anything I've ever been in while idling. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it at that moment because it was just such a neat like luxury car of the time. I'd have to say that's one thing that you don't see very often. Obviously, they didn't. There was only, you know, f- you know, four or five years where they actually made cars during the 40s. But 40s cars are not very common at car shows. You really yeah. only see them at like a concourse or something like you yep. don't really see the regular cruise night or cars and coffee. So it's pretty yeah. cool to see. I was actually, I went to the second Saturday show out here at, um, SoCal mm-hmm. speed shop a couple weeks ago, probably about a yeah. month ago. My father was in town and yep. one of these V12 Lincolns was there 
Uh, it was a black one with kind of a greenish colored leather interior and a tan mm. tan top. It was a beautiful car, and it was for sale. I remember looking at it and I think it was twenty eight grand, which is really which isn't like that, a huge amount of money. Well, let me tell you how much this one was. They want eighty nine thousand for this one. Oh, wow, that seems that seems a lot. That seems like, like a lot for a late forties yeah. car. Well, this uh, this car was twenty nine grand or thirty one grand or something. It was around thirty grand, whatever it was. And I remember thinking like. You know, I don't have 30 grand to drop on a car right now, but that's not a bad way to do it. <laughs> that's a neat car. It's a good looking car. I mean, they, this particular one wasn't mint. It was a very presentable driver. You know, it might have mm. been stored in the mid 70s. So it had, you yeah. know, its second go around of patina on it. Um, but it wasn't anything that would steer me away from spending 30 grand on it. And I was like, I, I could see myself driving this car. So I don't know what they're worth. I haven't looked looked up values of them. I have I know no idea. For a long time, they were not worth anything because nobody wanted them, uh, mostly yeah. because of the parts thing. And parts were hard to get for a long time pre-internet age because you know, there just weren't 48 Lincolns sitting around everywhere to get parts from. So I Definitely think a presence, though. It's gotten a little better because of the internet. You can find things all over the world now. But I, I would definitely... Of the era, if I was going to buy one of those versus the equivalent year Cadillac or um, big Chrysler, I'd probably go with Lincoln because it's a neat looking car. Although I, I also like a 48 Chrysler, so who knows? Yeah. Neat car, though. All right. Send me what the ad for me? Get a chance. All right. Know. Next. This is a, this is a, a interesting one. It's uh, an undesirable version of a desirable car. Hmm. Okay. Uh, undesirable, like, era of a car that had eras of being desirable. So. I'm going to guess it's uh, some muscle car brand. I have to wait and find out. <laughs> I am pleased to present this blank for your consideration. From 1975 to 1979, blank's Starwart Compact Blank continued its assigned task of providing affordable and reliable transportation for America. Available as a two-door coupe, a four-door sedan, and a two-door hatchback, the basic shape did not change for the fourth generation's entire five-year production run. Even though the blanks mechanicals were well-sorted, the six-cylinder engine dates back to 1962 and the V8s back to 1955. Big hint there. Yep. All three-speed transmissions have been in production since the late 60s. Also, by 75, the year of this vehicle, Blank had finally sorted out all of the emissions-related problems by adopting catalytic converters. I'm going to skip a few things here. Three-speed manual column shift, standard. Chevy Nova. It is a 75 Chevy Nova, yes. <laughs> what gave it away, the hatchback part? Uh, yeah, and then the, the engine choices. Once you said the engine choices, like, well, it's definitely American. Yep. Um, and then the... I don't know. The, 1955 I, made it a small block Chevy. I'm trying to think of a hatchback Nova. I can't picture that off the top of my head. It doesn't look any different than the two-door from the side. Like marg- uh, marginally different. Okay. Um, and even when you look at it from the back, it it's looks kind of like smoke. it has a trunk. Yeah. Um, and just the back window lifts with the trunk. Uh, there aren't many left because they weren't very good at keeping water out. Mm. Um, but it, it they were available in 1975 through 1979 with a zip in tent option. Okay. So like you a, think uh, like an Aztec, is this an appreciating collector? Maybe. Oh, they definitely are. There's no question. They yeah. actually, this one's really, really nice. Um, it's a super solid car. It's a factory V8 car with AC. Um, and it's 13 grand. So yeah. it's, I, I, I don't love them because the same basic body style was available 10 years earlier or six years earlier with much more, I don't know, stylized svelte lines to it. Um, well, this probably has like impact bumpers. It's got huge aluminum bumpers. It's yeah, got yeah. a big square headlights, uh, square bezels and round headlights. I mean, it, it wins in the interior because it's got a nice like um, biscuit colored interior with plaid seating surfaces. That are oh, so it screams seventies. Oh, it's super seventies, and it's on those like six-hole rally wheels with trim rings, and has like a little chrome ring around each hole. 
you know, white letter tires. It, it's got, it's got a look and I don't, I wouldn't discredit somebody for spending 13 grand on this car. I just don't I mean, think if, I would. If people could, if somebody got together and organized a thing that was like Radwood, but for 70s cars. Yeah. Which I have I'd all definitely, cars for. Yeah. I'd definitely be interested in going to it. it yeah. It's like a cool era of cars. It never used to be. Now it's kind of like ironically cool. And now you're like, eh, I kind of appreciate some of that stuff. Oh, 100%. It's like kind of a weird design time, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm sending you the link I found for that car right now just so you can look at it. It's a really neat, um, it's just a really neat of the era car. It, it clearly looks late 80s, I'm sorry, late 70s, early 80s. There's no getting around it. But whenever I see this era Nova, they're not bad looking on their own. But I know that that basic X chassis goes back to 1968 and it looks so right. good from 68 to 72. So it just makes it really hard for me to consider the later model ones. It just changes it so much. So, all right. Next car. I've got two door hardtop maroon. Uh, all uh, 54,000 original miles. Five liter V8. All power cruise, tilt steering, AC, etc. Second owner. Um, blah, 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 blah. Removed and cate- categorized the chrome in preparation for some body work. Paint, new vinyl roof. Vinyl this roof. still needs to be done. Yep. I have all the chrome and three extra good doors. New Sears battery. This is a good solid. Hold on. Hand. Nobody has a new Sears battery. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a five liter, yep. which could be GM or Ford. Hmm. Um, so good extra doors leads me down like the Monte Carlo road. So does the vinyl top. Um, and the maroon paint, actually, because most of them are maroon. So I'm going to go, this is a, do we know what year it is? Did you give me the year? No. So this is an 81 Monte Carlo LS. You are so close. Am I in the right body or am I in the yes. wrong? Yep, in the right. right body. So that it's a Pontiac Grand Prix from 81. Oh, other brand. Oldsmobile Cutlass 81. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give it to you. 86, Cutlass okay. Supreme. I just saw it and I was like, I thought of you. I was like, ah, he'll probably get this. But well, it's funny because I have such a love yeah. for a maroon 86 Cutlass and I went that last. So, yeah. Yes. It, it looks like yours before you had it painted, but it's like darker. Yeah, and, mine was uh, darker before I had it painted. It was more brown than maroon. Right off. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, speaking of Sears batteries, uh, that reminds me because I mentioned this to you the other night when we were uh, texting. Uh, Stephanie and I went over to the North Shore Mall here in Peabody, which forever had a Sears that's been bulldozed, mm. and it had a Sears uh, service center, which a lot of Sears did. It was a, se- a separate building in the front. Yeah, it's very, very common. And they all probably, everyone I've seen had very similar styling. Like they're all built in like 1980 or something. Yeah, they had that super, yeah. like, super brutalist, like, no design concrete block look. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like concrete, but like, Vertical lines of concrete, yeah, or like it looks like, or like or the hell. it was like a concrete version of like soundproof padding in a wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that is gonna be a Tesla service center. I think they're gonna have a Tesla dealership probably in the mall, like a showroom. Yeah, the mall. Maybe they'll have it. The it's, malls at here have Tesla dealers in them. Um, but it just now the building like. I knew they were building it over there, but I thought they would have remodeled the outside of the building. But all it ha- maybe they will, but it, it, right now, I should go take a picture of it for our Instagram because right now it just has on this very old 80s building the Tesla logo. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of 80s looking. And it's like if Tesla was around in 1980 and this is the service center. It's very, very strange. That's where you got your Tesla Nova serviced. Yeah, exactly. That just that new Sears. Yeah, I don't know where this guy got a new Sears Gold heavy duty diehard battery. <laughs> I don't know if maybe they still exist as diehard. It might have gone like a separate, um, like private label brand now versus being sold in stores. In reality, they were all, um, uh, what you call it, interstates. Uh, interstates, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that was just pretty funny. All right, I got one more. One more for you here. Okay. All right. Da, 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 da. 
Okay. Super rare. Super classic. Blank two-door coupe. Tan exterior. Tan Landau roof with luggage rack. And moonroof, plus matching tan vinyl interior. You'll find a V8 engine under the hood. And a four-speed manual transmission in this incredible Survivor in excellent condition both inside and out. 42,435 lifetime miles. This blank is a real time capsule to an important era in automotive history. This blank has been titled to three different owners throughout the years, and it remains today like it did when it left the factory showroom over 40 years ago. Low mileage survivor with excellent documentation as well to show a lifetime of proper care and maintenance after being driven an average of just 1,000 miles per year. This example is one of very few produced with the V8 producing 139 horsepower, the top performing engine for the year. In terms of condition, this blank shows nice, ultra clean factory, everything excellent, everything works, has been sprayed once in its lifetime. Original factory color of this body of the vehicle shows well with no minor imperfections, only, sorry, with only minor imperfections to the chrome trim. Engine and trunk, great. Doesn't need anything to be joined immediately. It drives fantastic and hasn't lost a step in 42 years. Um, so let's see. Your big facts there are two-door, vinyl roof, well, sorry, Landau roof with luggage rack. Yep. V8 engine, manual transmission. Is it? All right. Is I'm it, gonna, is the, all right. Well, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to throw out just my random guess that popped okay. in my head. Uh, TR8. That is a good guess, but it's not correct. I don't think I've ever seen a TR8 with a Landau top. Yeah, I knew they had the, the weird chop top, so um, decent guess. V8, four-speed. V8, four-speed. Definitely from the 70s, 40 years ago. That's a, yep. that's a tip-off. And the low, super low horsepower of a V8. Yes. Yeah, it's um, probably a two-barrel carburetor. Actually, definitely. I'm looking at a picture of the engine. Uh, so... It's not going to be Japanese. I don't think it's American. I want to say it's British, but I'm not sure it would be. Oh, maybe it's a um, like a. I'm trying to think of what the weird Jaguars were from the 70s. Well, don't because like not one of those. Like an XKE? No, no. I don't think they had a V8 uh, in those either. Those would have been six cylinder or twelve cylinder. Okay. Okay. Um. Maybe, maybe it was a it's like Mercedes convertible, like an SL something, SL nope. 200, uh, no? Nope. And again, I don't think there was a V8 offered with a manual, at least okay. not in am the I, States. They may have been in Europe. I don't want to, I don't want to say, speak out of turn okay. on that. Okay. So I am in Europe. Ooh, no, you're not. It's, you're not. It's an, it's not a European car. It's an American car. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. American car. It's got European styling. European styling. Yes. In the 70s. It doesn't really have European styling, but it was designed by European styling house. In fact, they're Is very proud a... of that because they put it in the name, in the trim package. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think of an American car that was like a Bertoni or something. I know it can't be a Volvo because it has a V8. So. Yeah, it's American. <laughs> yeah, it's American. Gee. Uh, man, my knowledge of 70s cars is so not good. See, mine is is good, <laughs> and it's not something to be generally proud of. Oh, boy. Uh, it's got to be. This, this car is about this, maybe a little bit bigger than my car. Yeah, see, uh, the, see the I'm Google. talking through it. It's got to be a Chrysler product. It seems weird. Uh, not weird enough to be an a like an AMC product, so I'm thinking it's Chrysler. It's not Chrysler, really. It's also uh, not AMC. Okay, although a- gotta, AMC would be an accepted guess because a a Hornet of the era would have those options, but this does not. Okay, is a Mustang two? It's a Mustang two Gia. Whoa, they had a Gia version. Yeah, the Gia was the top of the line version. In fact, if you next time you talk to Naomi, you can ask her all about it because this is her first car. Weird. Yep. What a weird car. So it's a 77 Mustang II Kia. It's a very small car with a 302, um, a four-speed manual, factory alloy wheels, factory leather, factory sunroof, 
it's really freaking cool. It's another mm-hmm. car that much like that Nova is something that 10 years ago would have gone completely under the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that a 16-year-old girl would get for her first car. Like I said, Naomi's first car was a Mustang II. Um, but now it's something that is so odd that it's really cool. I'm going to send you this link too, just so you can take a look at it. Um, and I bet you will actually want to buy this car. <laughs> you won't actually buy the car because it's $12,900. No. It's a lot of money, but I think no. it's worth every dime of that $12,900 because it's exceptionally nice and it's exceptionally low mileage. Uh, and how can you go wrong for a V8 four-speed even if it only has 145 horsepower, you could easily yeah. just slap a carburetor on there, take off some of the emission stuff, and you'd have, you know, a 200 horsepower, 2,500 pound rear wheel drive little Mustang. And that wouldn't be yep. a bad thing, right? So, no. I, again, this is one of those cars that I probably wouldn't myself spend 12 grand on, but I no. wouldn't, but I wouldn't fault somebody for doing it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that a car this nice in this era is going to only appreciate because it's that nice. You're not going to retire off of the thing, but I think that if you bought this car and you owned it for 10 years, you would, at the very minimum break even, probably sell it for closer to 20. So All right. I think it's a really neat car. And uh, I don't know. It's there. These kinds of things are really speaking to me now. So I'm, maybe mm. I'm getting too old, but I like it. No, it's kind of cause it's just like a weird car. I don't know. 70s cars are coming up is what is what the point is. Oh, 100%. They're in a weird place. Well, the um, thing is we have we have the quote-unquote Radwood effect. So you have the 80s and 90s stuff that's gone through the roof. Um, and the 70s well, kind of got passed over. Yeah, it did because, you know, the 50s, 60s stuff was could be made. It had like some performance to it. It had some styling to it. The 70s were real frumpy so to speak. Most of them, and, not all of them. Yeah, mo- most of them. But then when we got to the 80s, they started to figure it out. They kind of squeezed some performance of the emission choke stuff. Cars started to get better again. So those kind of took off first. But yeah, now the now the 70s is kind of coming up. On but cars, I think so. generally, if, if you look outside of American cars in the 70s, there was some neat stuff going on. America, the American stuff was very... Oh, definitely. I don't they call it the malaise era for a reason. You know, it was all very yeah, malaise. It was, it was it was kind of boring. Like even this Mustang that I'm you know waxing a static over here isn't a great looking car. It's got huge bumpers. It's got a Landau top. It's got a chrome luggage rack on the trunk. Um, it's not something that you look at and go hot rod. You know, it's not a sports car. It's it's kind of an in between car. Um, but if you look outside of American stuff, I mean, you had V8 Vantage from Aston Martin. You know, you had 930 turbo Porsches. You had mm-hmm. even like a Honda Accords and Honda Civics and stuff in the 70s were neat little runabouts. Stuff like my Dodge Colt, which is a Mitsubishi Lancer or the Ford Escort um, Mark IIs and Mark Ones, And all these cars were, they were a lot more fun than American cars were. You know, the Volkswagen Rabbit came out in the 70s and that was a fun little front wheel drive hatch. And the whole hot hatch movement started in the 70s. So there's a lot of cool stuff outside of American cars in the 70s. American cars were just behind mm-hmm. they were starting to lose their lose their steam then so but yeah they're, they're coming up and i think that buying a 70s car now is not a bad idea you know i i used to buy colts for a thousand dollars a thousand dollar colts don't exist anymore yeah how'd that one on bring a trailer end up do you keep following that yeah i went for about five grand which is market <laughs> yeah right now it seemed pretty good for that car yeah it, it wasn't perfect it needed a little things it had a little bit of uh Rust bubbling in the quarter panels where the trunk leaked at some point and filled the trunk with water. Um, yeah. Had a little bit of rust bubbling in the bottom of the fenders where it probably collected, you know, leaves and sand and stuff over the years. And somebody had taken off the vinyl roof and spray painted it black where it was supposed to be. So it needed a couple of bucks to make it, you know, a perfect, perfect car. So I think five grand is about right for the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Again, now that equivalent, if that was a Corolla, would have been 10 grand. So. Yeah, exactly. All right. So with that little bit of car buying advice, there are some events coming up because we're getting into the spring. And uh, I think that one of the big first big events, at least for the people that like this show, 
Radwood Austin is February 29th. And I will be there. Leap Day, which is, uh, I feel like a very, like, I feel like we talked more about Leap Year in the 90s. We don't make a big deal about it I think we did because we were in school. (laughs) Yeah, probably. What if you were born on Leap Year? Like, does that mean you're only, like, four years old? Like, what? (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah, Um, no, I think that maybe we should try to find some way to bring uh, Leap Day into the Radwood thing here. But we'll see. Um, I'll be there. That's exciting. Yep. And then you've got, you're going to bring the Eclipse? Uh, yep, I'm going to be going with the Eclipse. I'm going to be caravanning out with uh, Ron and his Starion. Yep. Uh, and then there's one in March in South Carolina at the Michelin Tire Center, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. that I forget the date on that one. It might be like early March or mid-March or something. Um, a little bit far to get to uh, for me. It's kind of... Kind of in between the two of us, right? Um, South Carolina is not in between the two of us now. Well, distance-wise. It's definitely closer to you. <laughs> but closer, they have moved Radwood Philly to the spring. Yep. Same place at the Navy Yard, which mm-hmm. is a super cool space. That's going to be April 5th in Philly. And I will be there with the Gallant. Uh, that's what I decided to bring. I don't want to bring more than one car. It's kind of a... It's a six-hour drive. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long to drive to bring yeah. two cars. So just bring the Gallant. That's what I'm planning on. I'm undecided on that one yet. I may fly out or not. Who knows? It depends on finances and time and everything going on around then. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, drive it was, down. It was a lot of fun last time I went. I might even fly into Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. always pick you up. Yep. So there's that. And then later in April... Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee. The first event is April 19th at the Coffee Factory in Salem, New Hampshire. Uh, as always, just we ask that you come and and just hang out and be cool. Don't blast super loud music. Don't do burnouts. Just go have some coffee, hang out. The mix of cars is usually really, really good. You know, everybody's super nice. Like just just hang out, be cool, right? Just be cool. Yep, chill. Um, and then if you go on Facebook. All the events for the season are laid out, so you can see all the dates. Uh, we'll reminder. We'll we'll do reminders. But first one, April nineteenth. We even tell you where it is on Facebook, despite people asking. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, man, I wish you told me where this location, where this event was. It's like, well, it says it right in the event, exact yeah. address, where it is. <laughs> what else do you want from us? All right. Anything else for you, Brad? I don't think so. All right. Sounds cool. So as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, Raced in Anger. And Brad, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. Don't forget to log in and sign up for uh, the Gearhead Project forums. Um, And that's it. All right. Sounds great. Keep cars analog and... Aim for the roses.